0: Christmas, uh, you can keep saying that for about 11 more days. Uh, you've heard of the song 12 Days of Christmas. That is actually referring to the day of Christmas and then 12 days after Christmas. So keep saying Merry Christmas to people. Keep greeting people uh, with Merry Christmas for these upcoming 12 days because uh, in the church calendar, we are still in the season of Christmas. And what a beautiful, beautiful season it is. Uh, Truly one of my favorites. I'm sure it's one of your favorites as well. Um, Yeah. uh, That introduction pretty much sums up who I am. I'm from Mount Vernon. Uh, My mother uh, works for the North Central Ohio Church of the Nazarene. Um, My dad works at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. um, And I'm getting married in May. And so uh, that's, yeah, just a lot of things happening. Yeah, thank you. And so... Uh, Just a lot of things happening, uh, and I'm so very grateful for uh, my North Central Ohio district family. Uh, These opportunities that I get to speak, um, they just uh, have shaped me and molded me into uh, who I am today, and God has used those uh, to help reveal uh, this calling on my life to uh, shepherd people, to uh, help not save people, but point people in the direction of the Savior, somebody who can save, somebody who is able to save. And we're gonna talk about him today, obviously, Uh, (laughs) Jesus, uh, Christmas time. But I first wanna start off with this question and you're gonna need to talk to somebody around you. Uh, I don't know if you really like doing that on a Sunday morning, you might not wanna talk to anybody around you. But I want you to talk to somebody around you. I'm gonna set a timer, give you about five minutes Nah, let's give three or four minutes, cut it a little short. It's not that difficult a question. Just whatever pops into your mind when I say this one word, this one word, what comes into your mind? Share it with somebody else. King. What does the word king bring to your mind? An image, a person, a characteristic. What comes to your mind when you hear the word king? So I'll just give you about three minutes, um, and I'm just going to stand up here, Uh, drink my water a little bit and then we'll come back and we'll get going from there. So what does King bring to your mind? Go ahead. Alrighty, I'm going to cut you a little short. I feel like that felt like enough time to kind of get a a few good answers. So now you're going to have to talk a little bit more. I want to know what some of your answers were. So the word King, what were some of the first things that popped into your mind? Ultimate authority. What was that? Oh, okay, yeah, prom king, yeah, 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 no, that makes sense, David, yep, monarchy, castle, nice, chess, great one, that's a good, one. I didn't think of that, that's good, king of king, lord of lords, yep, Elvis Presley, <laughs> there we go, that's, <laughs> that's a good one, I'm not talking about Elvis today, but I mean, that's uh, a, <laughs> no, that's a really, really good one, yeah. Yeah, something about your heritage. There's that, that line, that lineage of kings. Yeah, a dynasty almost, if you will. Yeah, so there's plenty of things that we can think of when we hear the word king. But if we are being who we say we are called to be, our idea of a king should be very different. The, the passage for today is the Christmas narrative comes, it's found in uh, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Chirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house, the line of David. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, I thank you for sending your son. God, I thank you that you humbled yourself to become flesh and blood and that ultimately you would shed your flesh and blood for this broken world in which we live, for the hope of this world in which we live. Lead us now this day as we celebrate your birth, as we celebrate who you are as our king, our leader, our Messiah, our savior, Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for that today. It's in your precious name that we pray, amen. So, it was mentioned in the King David. And I'm, I'm kind of going to backtrack to the Old Testament real quick before I get back into the New Testament, the narrative of the birth of Jesus. Before King David even, before King Saul the came before him, there was just the nation of the Israelites. Uh, these Israelites who, you know, they take their heritage all the way back to Adam and Eve, who ate of the tree, were uh, kicked out of the garden, uh, were wanderers, um, eventually leading to uh, Abraham and Sarah, uh, a landless man, a man who had no land, who had no worth, and a barren mother who could not bear children. So therefore, in that time, she also had no worth. And God works in this what seems like a irredeemable relationship. And this nation of Israel is born. This covenant is made. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. What a promise that is uh, to these two people that were probably very hopeless at this time. And so the nation of Israel grew. They refer to God as the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, uh, the the three fathers of the faith, if you will. And then ultimately, uh, they find themselves captives in Egypt. They're, they're captives, they're enslaved. They're, they're worked so hard and so heavy. And, but God calls Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And God frees them from Egypt. But then they are landless in the wilderness. They are wanderers. And they wander and they wander and they wander and they finally reach the promised land and God gives them this land and God came through on God's side of this covenant, this promise. God, God did it. God said God was gonna do it and God did it because God promised it. And that's what God does. God doesn't back out of a covenant that God makes. But being humans, sometimes we can... Back out of promises that we make, you know. In the wilderness, the people said, well, "We'll follow the Lord forever because we want God's presence to be with us forever." God, don't abandon us, because if you're not with us, then there's no reason for us to be even be here. And so God is with them. But then it comes to this point, we find ourselves in First Samuel eighteen, where the people look at Samuel the prophet and say, "We want a king." We want to be like all the other nations around us because their kings bring order and they win battles and there's great prosperity and it seems so good. We want a king. We we want an earthly king. We want somebody amongst us to rule over us. And Samuel's obviously hesitant. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Why do you want that? And they just say, we want a king. We want a king. Samuel goes to God and says, God, these people, they want a king. And God says, if they want a king, give them a king. But this king, this king that they want so desperately will oppress them, enslave them, and be so very greedy with what God has blessed them with. They want a king and God even warns them, it's almost going to feel like you're back in Egypt. This king will oppress you. This king will enslave you. This king will take your strong young men and lead them to battle to death and take your young women and take them for his own. This king will do these things. And I can even like sense it almost in God's voice. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure about that? I know uh, adults in my life have always asked me that. When I told my mom I wanted to be a pastor, she said, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) Because there is, you know, a lot of things that come with being a pastor. It's not the easiest job in the world. I mean, if you look at just statistics wise, I say I want to be a pastor, but I see that less and less people are going to church. You go, Will, you're out of your mind. Why would you want to do that? But I know that God has called me to this. But when God says, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> you should probably take a step back and go, oh, I don't know. Am I sure I want to do that? But the people, the people of God say, we want a king. God gives them a king. God gives them a king. And there's a whole lineage of kings. This lineage that we talk about, this there's Saul, but then there's David and Solomon, and you know, it keeps on going, it keeps on going. And it all seems all right throughout it. It's this relationship aspect. There is always God who is the constant, who is divine, who, who is mediator over everything. And then there's us, and we fall short, and we sin. And sometimes we don't live up to our end of the bargain. But God, mysteriously, for whatever reason, chooses to redeem and restore and bring us back into relationship. And there's this cycle that just happens over and over again with the kings and God and the people. And it just keeps on going, keeps on going, keeps on going until finally the prophets come along and they say, man, this is not good. We're going to lose all this land. We're going to be sent away. And the very thing that you asked for, you're not even going to have anymore. It's going to be taken from us. And it's inevitable. We just ended up on this path and this is the destination where we are now. They end up in exile. People are, the word exile literally means to be stripped bare. In the Hebrew, to be stripped bare. And now, the people are naked. They, they had all these things that were covering them up. They had the land that they kind of wore as a shirt. And they had uh, the king, they kind of wore as their pants. And they had uh, the temple uh, that they wore as their shoes. And they walked in these clothes that uh, they had somewhat made idols for themselves. And now the exile comes along and they are stripped bare of those things. And they don't have a king. They don't have land. They don't have the temple. But God still promises, I am with you. Emmanuel, God with us. I am with you. They thought of a king as a military leader, as a great general. And as I was writing this sermon, I was in the middle, my family... And I were in the middle of catching up on some of the Marvel movies to go watch the new Spider Man movie that just came out. I hear this movie is fantastic, and the last time my family caught up was back in 2014, so we missed like 55 movies between now and then. And so we're catching up on all these movies, and I was sitting there, I was trying to, you know, multitask and uh, write and watch at the same time, which is not a good idea. I don't know, I try it every single time, it never works out. But we we're watching, uh, this movie in which there is this people and they no longer have a king. They're being ruled by this dictator, by this evil dictator who just rains death on everybody and crushes anybody that opposes her. And then there is this revolution, this king, Thor, who comes out And has this great power and overthrows her. And the people get away and they are free from this oppression. And all seems good until you watch the next movie and it just all goes crazy and it's not good. But at the end of that movie, you're like, yeah, like the king came and, you know, there was this revolution and it all happened so good and so big and all the CGI and it made it look so cool. And that's what a revolution should look like. That's what a king should do. There was uh, this certain group of people before the time of Jesus that thought the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament would look somewhat like that sort of king that would lead a revolution where there would be this great battle and they would... Overthrow the authorities, and there would be, uh, you know, this great grand victory, and there would be bloodshed and loss and all the things that come with war. But then we read this story the story that I just read, the story of Mary and Joseph, who were nobodies in the ancient world. They were nobodies, they're from Nazareth. Later in the Gospels, Nathanael asks, what good can come from Nazareth? That's what people thought of it. Nothing good can come from this place called Nazareth. But there's this baby who's born of a virgin lying in a manger. This baby is supposed to overthrow the authorities. This baby is supposed to lead this people into battle. We know Jesus We can read all about Jesus' life, death, resurrection. We read all about it here. I don't read anything about some great revolution happening. I read about this God becoming man, laying his hands on people and healing them, going out to those that the world hates like tax collectors and eating at their houses and saying, follow me. I guarantee you the people that thought this Messiah that was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, they thought he was no king at all. What sort of king doesn't lead people into battle? What sort of king is so giving of their time and resources? What sort of king does this? Church, it's our sort of king that does this and it gives me such great hope that we serve a king that is not some bloodthirsty monster who just wants to send people to hell but God in our shortcomings in our failings continuously picks us back up and says I'm redeeming I'm restoring I am making all things new the king that we serve. We treat, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes we as the church capital C, which means church universal, treat people outside of the church who we usually generalize as sinners, as the enemy of some sorts. And we need to beat them over the head with this book until they come to church, until they get saved, and then finally God can do a work in them. That's not how this works. If we do what we are called to do and be like Jesus, we are out there and we're not just telling them, get your butt in a pew or a seat in a sanctuary. We're saying, let me tell you that there is hope. Let me tell you about this healing that can take place. Let me tell you about the joy that comes in knowing our Savior. I think about all the opportunities that I could have had doing that. Spending time with people at a lunch table where maybe they don't know. They just don't know. It's not that they're choosing not to know. They just don't know about this guy named Jesus this triune God who saves. But me and my own insecurities, I pull myself back and I say, I'm just gonna wait till God doesn't work. And then I'll step in. I'll step in after God doesn't work. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, you met this God, Man, I've known this God my whole life. Let me tell you more about him. What would happen if we go, I see that you're hurting. I see your pain. I see that your relationship with your family It's not what you want it to be. A little side note, I don't know why, but yesterday my heart was just extremely heavy thinking about my friends who have broken homes this holiday season and how difficult of a time yesterday could have been for them. And it just took a text to a few people saying, I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you today that God would comfort you in this time. I don't wait for God to do a work and then I interject. I say, God, would you do a work through me? And God doesn't need us to do God's will, but God chooses to use us, church. God chooses out of his grace to use us for the saving of the world. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, uh, I think about my favorite Christmas hymn. O Holy Night. What a beautiful beautiful song. I'm just going to I'm just going to read some of the lyrics. And this is the sort of king that we serve. O oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared in the soul Felt its worth. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks. A new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. O oh, hear the angels' voices. O night divine. O night when Christ was born. O night divine. O night. O night divine. Chains he shall break. For the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we with all within let us praise his holy name christ is the lord his name forever praise we what sort of king do we serve church Merry Christmas. Our king is here. Our king brings us hope. Our king saves. But it's not just for us. It's not just for us, church. If we think it's just for us, we are doing a great disservice. I love this season so much. And I know this might not be the typical... Christmas story that you're all used to. But I want to tell you today the good news is, even if you haven't been perfect at doing this, like myself, I'm not perfect at doing this. God says, I am redeeming you, church. In your shortcomings, I am redeeming you, I am restoring you. A good work is being done. Just open your eyes. Because sometimes when the church doesn't want to listen, when people like us don't want to make room, God goes to the hillside and calls the shepherds out in the field. Let's make room, church. Open our eyes to the things happening around us. Don't just wait for God to do a work. But pray that God will work within you. Because God wants to. God wants to do a work in you. And you know what God's work brings? Jesus promises this. A spirit of peace and order. Not a spirit that brings division and destruction and death, but peace.